Hello! I'm Brianna. I'm Sarah. And we are the, the Squad Ghouls. Just a couple of creepy gals that love creepy things. Yeah. Yay. We're back. We're back. And I was very frantically watching the Pro Tools session to make sure that the audio was recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want that to happen again. Oh, God, that was the worst. It was Re- fun. Record a whole hour and a half episode and then... And just watching you lay on the ground. In desperation. <laughs> Because none of it recorded. <laughs> I'm so happy to be back. I know. It's God. been a minute. I know. What's We've, wrong with life? It's decided to be particularly busy and heinous. Mm-hmm. I, I hope, and if you are a listener who has also had a really lifey 2022, please write to us so that we don't feel like we're alone because what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's what the hell is going on? It's been a bonkers 2022 too many Ugh. things a lot of good things yeah and some not so good things yeah but here we are yeah talking know. about spooky things yeah it's better than hearing about monkey pox <sighs> <laughs> the next vaccine the next plague yeah <laughs> jeez well on a happier note i have a joke for you i'm ready knock knock who's there iguana iguana who iguana eat all your halloween candy yep I, will. <laughs> I learned um a couple weeks ago that a group of iguanas is called a mess of iguanas a mess a mess of iguanas the that, more you know i like that that's funny just like crows is a murder right i like that mm-hmm. well i have a joke what's that okay where do ghosts buy their halloween candy i don't know where do they at the ghostery store <laughs> that's cute <laughs> <laughs> oh boy here we are it's delightful um well should we get into ghouls news yes ghouls news ghouls news we did it this time yeah we did it that was crisp and timely yes it's like we never stopped (laughs) (laughs) well um getting back into it we want to remind you all about kitty fx shop a wonderful Allie and Geo. Oh, yes, they're just delightful. Yes. Um, they've got some really good stuff coming up. And uh, finally got to say hello at Midsummer Scream. Let's <laughs> kind of see them face to face a little bit. Um, but don't forget, check out Kitty FX Shop at their website, kittyfxshop.com, and on Instagram. And make sure you use our code SquadGhouls and receive, and I forgot, 15, <laughs> 15%. It's a percentage off of your order. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those. We're so out of practice. <laughs> Love you, Allie and Gio. <laughs> KIT, don't change oh man indeed i'll get the hang of it yes uh but in other news we thought we would share uh what we're reading slash watching yeah i am mostly reading textbooks but sounds like fun i do <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's all the classes that i don't want to take that are not fun like the you still have to go through a big OBGYN and pediatrics rotation which was really not my favorite of my sections of anatomy that I've oh had boy. to do in grad school no it's just you know don't don't put me down for birthing <laughs> but that's okay we need people to do it otherwise yes. we would not perpetuate the human race exactly just not me well, um <laughs> yes and then uh 
But for, for books that we're actually reading, the book that I selected was The Facemaker by Dr. Lindsay Fitzharris. Ooh. She also wrote The Butchering Art, which if you have not read it, it is dreadfully delightful. Oh, I like that. Uh, it's incredibly spooky and terrifying because you read all about these operating theaters and primitive Victorian medicine and the discovery of antiseptics and such um and learning about how surgery in victorian in the victorian era was a last resort it was you know you're already gonna die so you might as well try this which will probably kill you anyway but you know mazel tov yeah but like most things today (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's great so the face maker is about um facial reconstruction that was completed on world war one soldiers oh in the early part of the 20th century it's wild i'm really enjoying it that sounds really cool actually stoked and the movie that i picked is available on amazon prime it was a Blumhouse movie that I somehow slept on and completely missed. Oh. It is called A House on the Bayou. I have not seen this yet. It's wild. Okay. It did not disappoint. Okay. I'm into it. Yeah. At first, I thought I was going to have to turn it off because something bad happened to an animal, but the animal turned out to be fine. Oh, okay. I was like... So that it's safe. Yes. <laughs> good. But it's really it's it's really good. <laughs> Don't sleep on it. It's got a lot of twists and turns. Um. And kind of a an ending that I didn't expect. So, it was okay. great. Yeah, check it out. I'm here for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the book that I've been trying to read, because, <laughs> you know, life, um, it's called uh, Sanatorium. It's by Sarah Pierce. I've been kind of diving through the uh, Reese Witherspoon's book club, mm-hmm. because she's got some thrillers, mysteries, and some horror stories that are really good like our last podcast i talked about uh where the crawdads sing i actually saw that movie and you know it did disappoint it is was, it out now it is god i mean the I book been? is better always it always is but i thought that they did a really good job and the location um was like where would they pick the location to shoot was really beautiful i actually wouldn't mind going there even though it's like total swampland <laughs> or marsh as they called it um but anyway but i've been reading a lot of her books and so far they've been really good so sanatorium was on was next on my list after where the crawdad sings so i'm still at the beginning but basically what caught my eye about it was they described it as the the new uh version of the shining but with a bunch of your friends okay so i'm like Hmm, okay i'm here for it so i'm still at the beginning where everybody's kind of like arriving to the place i'm here for it so i uh, m- more soon to come <laughs> <laughs> and um i've been just trying to randomly watch new like horror movies especially on netflix i feel like they've released quite a bit um and so one that i recently watched is there's someone inside your house I watched it too. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay, what did you think? <sighs> <laughs> I just, it caught my eye and I was just like, all right, let me watch it. You know, I knew it wasn't going to be scary for us. No, you know? but also I feel really disconnected from the youths. 
Yeah, also that, because they were saying words, I, I was like, what? Exactly. Wait, let me look that up. So I feel like <laughs> if I were a Gen Zer, mm-hmm. I would probably really like this. Agreed. But I mean, for what it was, I it's thought it was fine. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. But I don't know. i just been working my way down the list. I feel like I'm going to probably hit a lot of ones that I don't like. <laughs> there, it's just very difficult to find so many um, new and innovative ideas within the horror genre. Yeah. Because... I feel like we're repeating everything. Oh, yeah. And, you know, in the year 2022, we never met a remake that we didn't like. So if I see another remake, I'm just going to never mind. Anyway, we need another live action cartoon. That's all CGI. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) But anyway. But yeah, but I mean, check it out. If you have absolutely nothing else to Netflix and chill with. Right. There you have it. Well, are you ready to get into our booze news? I am. Booze news. Booze news. Yay. We're doing so good. Doing great. (laughs) Doing great. Doing great. Pat on the back. Um, Oh, should I go first? I think that one's yours. Is it? I think so. Oh, because I wrote it so long ago. I know. We had so many good intentions. (laughs) Okay. Well... (laughs) Now that I remember that I wrote this. Sorry. Okay, so A24 has announced an upcoming psychological thriller titled A Different Man. Um, and it Sebastian Stan has come on board to lead the movie's cast. I mean, he just recently did that movie fresh, so I guess I'm not really surprised at him taking on different roles that are more in the horror genre. Um, but fr- it's coming from writer and director Aaron Schimberg. Uh, A24's A Different Man is set to kick off production next month. Um, well, actually, I wrote this probably like a couple months ago, so they're probably already in production. Um, and Sebastian Stan is starring alongside Renate. I oh gosh, Reinsieve. This is fine. Sure. And Adam Pearson. (laughs) So in the film, Edward is an outcast seeking a new life and fresh start after he undergoes facial reconstructive surgery. Oh, hey, you just talked about that. (gasps) Um, (laughs) He becomes fixated on a man starring as him in a stage production based on his former life. I dig it. Sounds interesting. It does sound interesting. Yeah. So one of the films announced for this year's Midnight Madness slate at the Toronto International Film Festival is the horror movie titled Sick, which is really great because it's coming from writer Kevin Williamson, who I love because he has, you know, the campy horror movie style, which is kind of oh, fun. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, John Hyams directed Sick. And it's a story that Williamson wrote himself. And he described it as a lean, mean, and wickedly timely slasher, which agreed. So the plot is, due to the pandemic, Parker and her best friend decide to quarantine at the family lake house alone. Or so they think. So obviously something's happening and they're quarantined together. But the official TIFF website lists sick as running 83 minutes long uh, and, you know, hitting that slasher sweet spot. So um, TIFF uh, 2022 runs from September 8th through the 18th. So you can check it out on the website and see um, where you can see it playing. 
All right. In other news, Sony Pictures is heading back into the further with the long-awaited Insidious Five. It's been too long. It has, and um, <laughs> I um, I stand an Insidious movie. That's not true. I stand Insidious one and two. Yes, three and four, they're fine. Yeah, but they were okay. One one terrified me. I even had a nightmare the other night about the red-faced demon. Ooh. And I woke up at like 3.30 in the morning and swore that something was in the room. Nope. 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 Mm-mm. That Mm-mm. movie really scared me. And yeah. not a lot of movies scared me, but that one scared me. So anyway, Insidious 5 is releasing in theaters on July 7th, 2023. That's less than a year. Woohoo! Whoop, whoop. It's going to feel like a blur. Ah, well, so at the rate we're going, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so exciting news. And part of what I felt like was missing from 3 and 4... Patrick Wilson is returning to the franchise as the director of the upcoming fifth installment. And he is also starring alongside Ty Simpkins, who is returning as Dalton Lambert. And also officially, Rose Byrne is going (gasps) to reprise her role as Renee Lambert. Yay. Mm -hmm. Well, this is exciting news. I know. And I love Rose or uh, Renee Lambert. Yes. No, no, not Renee Lambert. Rose Byrne. I got it right the first time. Got We're it. doing great. <laughs> There's so much uh, shenanigans that's going to get cut out of this episode, but y'all, we are so out of practice and there's yeah. like five minutes of nothing and just madness. That but it's you, fine. But we're doing great. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> And last but not least, streaming service Peacock has announced that they are given or that they have given a straight to series order to coming of age thriller hysteria with an exclamation point. Uh, It's a drama series that explores America's dark history of mass hysteria through the shocking story of the teenage satanic panic. So for the uh, I know I'm so excited. So uh, the series is marketed as uh the following so when a beloved varsity quarterback disappears during the satanic panic of the late 1980s a struggling high school heavy metal band of outcasts realize that they can capitalize on the town's sudden interest in the occult by building a reputation as a satanic metal band until a bizarre series of murders kidnappings and reported supernatural activity triggers a leather studded witch hunt that leads directly back to them whoever wrote this that is the world's longest sentence and you really could take note of a period here and there but anyway um so it's being produced by ucp which is a division of universal studios group okay and i'm really excited for this so uh for those that watched season the latest season season four of stranger things there is a little bit of an allusion to the satanic panic with the kids disappearing and uh oh my goodness eddie Uh, yes and the hellfire club sorry covid brain it's yep. a real thing. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's it for news. Yeah, should we get into our favorite ghoul shops? Yes, actually, um, I met a lot of new shops uh, at Midsummer Scream and took lots of business cards and Instagram follows and all that. Uh, so the f- one I wanted to mention today was uh, Crypt and Altar. It is handmade goth home decor. 
and you know it's just me shopping for my pastel goth home uh, of course um so obviously there's lots of beautiful uh coffin shaped cabinets and shelves and things like that but the thing that caught my eye was their big glass well not the whole thing is glass but the top part is glass it's a beautiful coffin like end table and then they put lights in the inside Mm. so it looks you can see like the beautiful velvet yeah Yeah, it yeah i remember going by that booth yep totally took their card Mm -hmm. um for my future home yeah, I, so. <laughs> I I remember going by there with our dear friends, the Windsors, the most talented people on the planet, and they absolutely need one of those for their home. Yep, sure do. Without question. The shop that I picked is the Velvet Apparition. Oh, I love this shop. So first off, she's effing gorgeous. Yeah, that's one. Like, she's so pretty that it hurts to look at her. And I'm like... <laughs> I feel very awkward because I keep staring at you and I know it looks really creepy, but you're just so pretty. I can't help it. (laughs) Mother Nature has been very kind to you. So she carries an array of Victorian style antiques, which include things like jewelry. So she's got Victorian morning rings, as well as rosaries and necklaces. And she also has a ton of different types of brass antiques and brushes and cosmetic cases and trinket cases. And she even has some creepy Victorian dolls, which I'm all about. Um, so great. I would love to go shopping with her. I know. I'm like, girl, where do you find this stuff? Yeah. It's so cool. Um, so yeah, good, good old fashioned, uh, spooky antiques from Velvet Apparition. She has a website. It's just velvetapparition.com. And she's also got a social media account under the same handle. Go check out her stuff. Patronize small business. Yes, please. Buy some creepy shit. Oh yeah. Enjoy. (laughs) All right. So finally, yes, we get to talk about our favorite summerween camp horror movies all the best and the worst <laughs> we've only been trying to record this since june i know it's august and we've 5th. been talking about watching these movies probably before june actually <laughs> but but here here we are finally yay i'm in so would you like to start sure okay it's my favorite okay <laughs> i'm gonna talk about sleepaway camp <laughs> sleepaway camp <laughs> the, the best and the worst summer camp movie <laughs> it is for, really bad yeah for so many reasons <laughs> i'm only gonna touch on a few <laughs> but um it was like one that i watched when my mother told me not to and when i got through the whole thing i see why and that's <laughs> so funny <laughs> I'm suggesting eating peanut butter in front of Brie because I'm stressed. It's very seductive. (laughs) Even though you had like a face, I don't know, I found it very seductive. You're welcome. Anyway, continue. (laughs) So, but anyway, it's a cult classic and it's such a classic that they made five movies of it (laughs) because we need that many. I mean, how many Final Destinations have there been? Also five? Oh yeah, there we here we are, <laughs> and Nightmare on Elm Streets and oh. Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, you'll just keep going. Just keep piling them on. Yep. But I also read on uh, Bloody Disgusting that there is a possible possible <laughs> possible remake coming soon, which 
I don't know how I feel about that, but you know, it's fine. I mean, it's fine. I think it'll be better than the original. I mean, hopefully, the the original is just one of those where it's so bad it's good. Yeah, it, you know, and I was like writing this whole thing. I was like trying not to give away the ending in case people haven't seen it, but it's, it's just so hard. <laughs> to not say it yeah (laughs) but anyway i'm gonna try my best so for those who haven't seen it just a quick little synopsis so after a horrible boating accident kills her family shy sullen angela moves in with her eccentric aunt martha and protective cousin ricky and one summer martha sends the kids to camp arawak uh, soon after their arrival, bizarre, increasingly violent accidents claim the lives of various campers. Who is the twisted individual behind these murders? Ooh. And one of like, again, trying not to say the ending, but it was one of the most shocking endings to a movie in that time. It Anyway, just watch it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, but so some fun facts. So Felissa Rose was only 13 at the time, which is unusual for a feature film. Studios usually cast actors 18 and over who look younger because of restrictions on using actors under 18 for extended hour shoots. Um, Also at 13, um, she couldn't even go see her own movie in the theaters what yeah and she was also only paid five thousand dollars what i mean honestly for this i would hope to have been paid more i mean it's pretty low budget (laughs) yeah so and speaking of the the movie there of course there's a lot of mixed reviews a lot of bad ones but one of the things is because the film's ending comes off a little transphobic and homophobic a little bit yes just a little but it's also kind of leading along the lines that you're that a person being forced into a general that they may not agree with can be very dangerous causing lots of mental instability yes i mean maybe but it just kind of yeah the the transphobic and the homophobic was like a really big focus but um another fun fact is this movie and friday the 13th part three inspired weird al yankovic song nature trail to hell i like it yeah i'm you know i actually listened to the song because i've never heard it before (laughs) um felissa rose said in an interview that she wore a bra designed to keep her boobs flat as a board though she joked that she was only 13 so there really wasn't much to flatten oh that's harsh i mean but you're still kind of well i mean no i, I can't mean, i can't me. say it enough for me either at i don't 13, even know what the hell i'm talking about one of them had grown in <laughs> i was like 10 years old i was okay maybe too much information anyway <laughs> they were big that's all i gotta say <laughs> um so, you know what? I'm not going to say that one because it gives away the ending. And I don't... Mm, all the stuff that I have kind of alludes to the ending. <laughs> I just was like rereading it. Um, anyway, it's fine. Um, We're doing great. So, just to let you know, there is a lot of like clues hidden throughout the movie that leads to the ending's reveal. I could just say it like that. There you go. That's fine. 
Okay, so it's very good to pay attention to things that are said um, because it it definitely leads to kind of the twist. There we go. Plot twist. I'll just say it like that. And yeah, there we go. Watch it. (laughs) It's really bad, but I don't know. Just, you know, have a few drinks, get a couple friends together and if, if you partake in other substances that also helps it de- definitely helps it not makes saying, it more funny i'll say that not saying i do i'm just saying if you do <laughs> maybe give it a shot yeah it'll actually probably be very enjoyable indeed <laughs> but yeah i've always liked to watch it the second one's better though i'll agree with you there i mean but after that it's just it's all crap indeed <laughs> Um, well, the first one that I picked is Cabin Fever. Woohoo! So, full transparency, I am not an Eli Roth fan. Neither am I. It just, not my, I respect what he does as a filmmaker, but just not my, not my favorite. After I saw his film Green. Green Inferno. Yep, I was like, mm hard pass mm. i don't even think i could finish green inferno it, I, I finished it's too, of course you did because you know <laughs> uh it's too, too much like can- cannibal holocaust and that's one of those movies that you know once yeah. seen can't be unseen mm-hmm. um and then hostile also wasn't my favorite i thought it was yeah. really creative um and an interesting concept for a movie i will absolutely say that it just wasn't wasn't my taste yeah you're not a fan of the gore no um fine line for me yeah (laughs) now that being said i actually really did cabin fever uh so that being said it's got everything that you would want out of an eli roth movie yes it's bloody it's absolutely ridiculous it's super over the top and it has writer strong from boy meets world so (laughs) baby sarah born in the 80s grew up watching boy meets world he was so hot and i we stand a we stand a sean he was he was my boo. Mm-hmm. Corey was always very annoying, but Sean was like the troubled kid that was super angsty with the greasy hair. So anyway, it does have Ryder Strong in it. Um, so it follows a group of college students who decide to spend spring break at a remote cabin in the woods, um, and they encounter a man with a flesh-eating virus. And um, just saying, if you find yourself you know at 3 a.m unable to sleep go do a google image search for necrotizing fasciitis uh it is actually way grosser than what eli roth did in the movie for which i was actually very surprised was like you could have made it so much grosser Mm -hmm. considering some of your other movies you were real soft on this one um but I did love the scene where the girl's going to shave her legs in the bathtub. Oh, 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 I just had a visual. And and it's just like all the skin and blood comes off. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. I I have accidentally done that to myself before without having a flesh-eating virus. It was not a party. Yep, yep, it hurt. (laughs) It, It was so bad, like, sorry, TMI, but it was so bad that I, like, and it was such a long strip of skin that came off that i i know this is so graphic i'm so sorry that i couldn't even put a band-aid or gauze over it i had to get a big thing of paper towels and fold it over and wrap it around and duct tape it oh my god jared remembers he's like i mean what else are you gonna do right um 
Anywho, so <laughs> uh, they come across this guy who has a flesh-eating virus, and eventually he dies, and his body ends up in the water supply. So what does it mean when a flesh-eating bacteria gets into the water supply? Or Ugh. gets it. Ugh. So a couple of fun facts about the movie. First one involves Ryder Strong. So after he filmed one of the really bloody scenes from the movie, he decided to go for a walk in the woods between scene changes and he's covered head to toe in blood and he happened upon a group of about 35 teenage schoolgirls who were on a field trip <laughs> so at first what do you do when you see somebody coming in to the woods covered in blood you scream your head off but then they start screaming even louder when they realized that he was right or strong from boy meets world I mean, same. Uh, so they started chasing him through the woods and he eventually made it back to the film crew, but absolutely vowed never to wander off by himself again. <laughs> lest he be attacked by a mob of teenage girls. Oh, boy. Um, and another fun fact, the gentleman who was the sound mixer on the film, John Neff, he actually survived the real uh, necrotizing bacteria, necrotizing fasciitis. Oh. Yeah. Um, which he contracted at a hospital during a minor surgery. Oh, wow. And he ended up, it took 13 days of nonstop intensive medical care and attention to save his life. Wow. Mm -hmm. And he, he maintains that the makeup's accurate, but Mm. I mean, it's sure, but there's some way grosser stuff on Google images and in some of my textbooks. I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole. Just don't don't eat first. Got it. And you'll be fine. Got it. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> um this one's funny and it actually reminded me of when I tried to cheat the carpool lane when I was I think this was like my <laughs> freshman year of college and I love this story. Yeah, and I was I was leaving school to go see my dad who lived in San Diego, which was already not a good drive and freeway construction and you know, rush hour traffic, blah blah blah. Um so I bought a blow up doll and i gave her a wig and hair and a hat and sunglasses and stuff to try to cheat the carpooling <laughs> my number came and i got pulled over but that being said uh this story kind of reminds me of this so one of the crew members robert jones took home one of the decapitated body props after the film finished filming and wrapped um and he got pulled over while he was driving home by police officers at gunpoint oh my god at gunpoint who thought that the corpse in the passenger seat was real (laughs) they held him at gunpoint until scary until they were able to confirm that the lifelike body was just a prop that's scary (laughs) i know (laughs) but also really funny that's a really bad day at work it's a good conversation piece (laughs) i know man um and eli roth originally got the idea for the movie while he was working in iceland on a horse farm he got such a bad skin infection from the rotting hay in the barn that his face started breaking out in sores and blood and peeled off when he shaved which explains the leg shaving scene oh Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. Ish. The original killer dog, Jake, was hired without rehearsal and sight unseen because Eli Roth had loved the idea of using the dog in the Patrick Swayze movie, Black Dog, um, and thereby being only two degrees from Patrick Swayze. 
I mean, you know, mm-hmm. why not? So the problem is that the dog by then was four years older. So big dogs don't age terribly well. This dog was already arthritic and real tired. And I mean, same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that after a full day of shooting and all of the few second bits were spliced together, they only had about a minute of usable footage. Oh, man. So all the dog scenes had to be reshot with a new dog. And with no time or money to find a replacement, they cast a real police attack dog that was so vicious and unpredictable that no actors would appear with it on camera. Yeah, I'd be scared too. Yeah, the crew uh, would end up hiding behind trucks during the scenes and cameras were operated by remote control. (laughs) That's awesome. I don't know if you've ever seen footage of police dogs. Oh, I have. They are badass. Yeah. Especially Belgian Malinois. They don't Mm -hmm. give a fuck. No, they will fuck you up. They do not care about your feelings. (laughs) They don't care about your dead grandmother. They don't care about anything. They will... There's a really great YouTube video of a German Shepherd versus a Malinois. I'm totally sidetracking. I apologize. Um, and they give them this little path to go through with um, with like elementary school chairs that are all set up, lined up. The German Shepherd like weaves through and tries to find a way to successfully get around all the chairs. The Malinois just goes over them like, fuck your chairs. Yeah, I'm, going. I'm just going for it. Indeed. So that's amazing. I that I absolutely believe. Last bit on Cabin Fever. Lionsgate bought the movie for an undisclosed sum in the high seven figures with an eight figure commitment to prints and advertising. It is the most money that Lionsgate has ever spent acquiring a motion picture. Wow. Yep. I didn't know that. Interesting. Mm hmm. Well, very cool. Yep. I haven't seen that one for a minute. I know. Well, speaking of cabins. <laughs> Another cabin. I picked Cabin in the Woods. Because, <laughs> side side note, I had to remove one of mine because there was a mean person that directed it. I did, too. But and, for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, and I was kind of like, eh. But anyway, so, Cabin in the Woods. And for those of you who haven't seen it... Uh, five friends go for a break at a remote cabin where they get more than they bargained for, discovering the truth behind the cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. It stars uh, Kristen Connolly, Chris Hemsworth. The Hemsworth. Before Thor. Pre-Thor days. Yes. Uh, Anna Hutchinson, Franz Kranz, Jesse Williams, Richard Jenkins, Sigourney Reaver. Mm. And Bradley Whitford. Uh, the film was originally slated for release on February 5th, 2010 by MGM and United Artists, but was indefinitely shelved due to financial difficulties. Womp womp. <laughs> but then in 2011, Lionsgate picked up the distribution rights. They have like a thing going on here. Um, right. <laughs> and the film premiered in uh, December 2011 at the the thon <laughs> film festival in Austin, Texas. That's great. Yeah, I, I, I had to put that in there. I love it. And then <laughs> was released in the U.S. on April 13th, 2012. So, yay. So, I like this movie. It I, Also, I'm just staring at Chris Hemsworth the whole time. That's pretty much <laughs> why I'm watching the movie. <laughs> But um, it was a pretty good movie. I liked it. Uh, some fun facts. On April 13, 2015, author Peter Gallagher filed, filed a copyright infringement lawsuit in California federal court against the makers of the film, 
uh, Gallagher claimed that due to the similarities between the film and his 2006 novel, The Little White Trip, A Night in the Pines, Josh Whedon and Drew Goddard had used his work without permission. Ooh, snap. You can't do that. We gotta be careful. You can't do that. <laughs> the lawsuit demanded $10 million in damages. Ouch. Whedon and Goddard were named as defendants along with the production company Mutant Enemy Productions and distributor Lionsgate. But the case was dismissed, dismissed five months later. Whoops. <laughs> I was like, maybe they were getting to him and then he finally just gave up, I guess. Um, much of Drew Goddard's inspiration for this movie came from his own upgrade bringing in Los Alamos, New Mexico, um, as he described a place filled with scientists and co-workers all going about their business and living seemingly routine and ordinary lives, even though they were building nuclear weapons that could potentially destroy the entire world. Mm. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> as, right. as to right now. <laughs> um, also another fun fact, Josh Whedon and Drew Goddard wrote this script in three days. Really? Yeah. They just locked themselves up in a room and wrote the script. Really? Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Because it's, I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah. Because you would think someone who wrote a script in three days probably would end up with, like, sleepaway camp. (laughs) But, but lest we forget, the great St. Dolly Parton did write, I will always love you and Jolene back to back in the same night. That's true. That's very true. Some people are gifted. Yes. I am not one of them. I wish I was. Um, well, I mean, we're, we are in other ways. You are. No, you are too. <laughs> <laughs> As we sit here and question our lives. No, <laughs> questioning all my life decisions. Um, Heather Langenkamp served as one of the members of the actual makeup crew that created the, that created the different nightmare creatures. Also with uh, her husband, who's also a special effects artist cool yeah i love her i met her a few times my friend johanna used to live next door to her oh sorry the neighbors yes and um i don't know if they still are but anyway but cool peoples uh but actually for this production she went under the pseudonym of heather l anderson Mm. which is interesting uh also just some things that were mentioned in the movie and it kind of connects with other movies that are out there. So the failed rituals from other countries are references to various classic classic movies and monsters. So the Kyoto ritual is a reference to Ringu or the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Buenos Aires ritual is a reference to King Kong. The Stockholm rit- ritual I'll get it. It's a reference to John Carpenter's The Thing, and the Madrid reference appears to reference Dracula. I like it. Some fun stuff. Yeah, check it out. I was trying to see where this was playing, like, uh, streaming-wise, but only thing I could find was Amazon. Oh, I should have said that. I'm so sorry. Uh, Cabin Fever's on Hulu. Oh. Oh, good. I'm going to watch it. Yes. Yeah, but Cabin in the Woods, I couldn't find it. But it's fine. I know it's on Amazon. You can rent it on Amazon. Yes. (laughs) Um, The next one that I picked is the second installment of the Fear Street movies. Yay! Yeah, that were done uh, last year. They came out last year. So much fun. 
Yeah, so this one is the Summer Camp Horror Story starring Bibba Sadie Sink. I do love her. Oh, it was so good. We stand a ginger. Yes. Um, so this one, as I mentioned, is the second installment of the three films. And it was actually my favorite of the three. Me too. It was, um, it felt a lot more, this sounds really odd to say, it felt more natural. The uh, the first one and the third one just felt very contrived. They were, they were, they were trying a little too hard. Um, but the second one I really liked. Uh, so it follows, it continues to follow the feud of teenagers between the towns of Shadyside and Sunnyvale that exist in the first uh, installment of the series, but it's set against the backdrop of Camp Nightwing in the year 1978. So it follows Sunnyvale camper and troublemaker Sheila and her friends, as well as her older sister, Cindy. And in this installment, they learn of the legend of Sarah Fear, the witch who allegedly cursed uh, all of Shadyside. Um, but after uh, several campers are cursed and possessed and murdered, uh, the teenagers attempt to to end the curse of Seraphir, but we discover that there is more to the legend in present day than we were originally led to believe in the first installment. So a couple of fun facts. There's not a lot that's available for this movie, but some Easter eggs that kind of connect the series to the Fear Street books by R.L. Stein. First off, Camp Nightwing is a reference to the setting of the Fear Street book Lights Out. Although the plot points are different. Also, I thought that this one was funny. Uh, The pills that they take in the infirmary uh, that don't have a label on the bottle are stamped with L484 on them. (laughs) And that's the national drug code identifier for acetaminophen, specifically 500 milligrams. It's Tylenol. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I thought that was funny. And although this is the second film in the Fear Street trilogy, it was actually filmed last. Oh, really? Yes. That's interesting. Uh, Yep. Part one was done first and then part three, which I guess this kind of stands to reason if you're a filmmaker, because the kids from the first one and the kids from the third one are the same. So it makes sense to shoot the stories continuously, send all those actors home and then shoot all of the new people in the second one so i guess that makes sense yeah but yes it was filmed last even though it is the second installment that's cool yeah and there is a scene when ziggy is roped to a tree by some kids that are bullying her bullying her and one girl calls her a witch like sarah fear who is the witch that's believed to have cursed Shadyside. Um, and then the girl says Seraphir is still alive and wouldn't be if they'd burned her instead of hanging her. So in the original Fear Street book series, it was suggested that the town was haunted partly because two innocent women were killed for witchcraft hundreds of years ago. But mm. unlike Seraphir, they were both burned. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And lastly, the same newspaper article that uh, the character Josh had on his board about Ruby Lane in the first Fear Street movie, Fear Street Part 1, 1994, mm-hmm. can also be seen in Nurse Lane's diary in this movie. Oh, 
Oh. Yeah, a little Easter egg connecting the, st- Ooh, the series together. Now I kind of want to go back and rewatch them. They were really good. Yeah. I enjoyed those. I did much. too. They were good. Um, the first and the second and the third one were all right. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed them, especially being a fan of the books as a kid. Yeah. Um, but the second one I really dug. Yeah. But me too. It takes place at Camp Nightwing. Check it out. It's good oh, stuff. Yeah. Well, the last one I picked, it's a little bit more of like a campy <laughs> kind of uh, comedy horror film. Uh, it's The Final Girls. I don't know if you've ever seen this. No. But it's actually kind of funny. <laughs> like, I don't know. I was laughing. Um, but it's uh, the movie follows this group of high school friends and they get transported into an 80s slasher flick. Mm. and where they're and the film is called camp bloodbath which basically connects the main character to their mother because their mother was famous uh for this particular movie um but anyway but then they have to pretty much find their way out of it so but inside this whole movie i mean it just pays homage all the great 80s classics like some of which we talked before and just kind of making fun and I don't know. I thought it was a good time. <laughs> but uh, it stars uh, Tasia Fermiga, uh, Malin Ackerman, Adam Devine, Thomas M- Middleditch. Man, there's some big names in this. Yeah. Uh, Alia, is it? I think it's Shawquat. Shawcat. This tracks. I can never say her last name, but I know who she is. <laughs> uh, Alexandra Ludwig and Nina Dobrev. Oh, yeah. It's got a big cast. Yeah. It, it was really, really good. I mean, as far as just like kind of a good time. And, I like it. Uh, so it first premiered uh, in March, March 13, 2015 at South by Southwest. And then it was released in the U.S. on October 9, 2015. And then it ran through video on demand by Stage 6 and Vertical. Uh, So a little bit of some fun facts. The film was conceived and co-written by Joshua John Miller as a way of dealing with the death of his dad, Jason Miller, who had starred as Father Karras in The Exorcist. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. And which it's, it's nice because there's a, the part where the main character is like connecting with their mom yeah, in the movie in, yeah and the exorcist when damien has issues with his mom and he puts her in the home and then she dies and he yep. blames himself and feels responsible yeah so and that's kind of that kind of happens in, in this movie a little bit and then she's transported in the movie and Got she gets it. to connect with her mother more okay, okay. so it's yeah it was really cool i think you would like it actually what's it on <laughs> um you can it used to be on hbo max but i haven't seen it there anymore i know you can rent it and if you have the roku tv app nope. you can watch it without i mean but with ads though mm, i does not have but i will find but yeah it's really cool um in the original script the kids began undergoing physical and psychological transformations after they all entered the film the girls waistlines shrunk their breasts ballooned <laughs> and one of the characters Gertie, was so enamored with her newfound beauty that she tried to sabotage her friends to ensure they could never leave i'd probably do that <laughs> If my waist shrunk, I'd be like, we're staying, y'all. Like, like, girl, look at this snatched piece here. I know. I could just keep running. It's fine. <laughs> um, 
when the characters get sucked into Camp Bloodbath, it was scripted that they stepped into a Technicolor world. The writers were initially horrified when they showed up on location and discovered that the crew had taken their words literally and decorated the forest with colorful artificial flowers. <laughs> I dig it. I mean, you got to give instruction. <laughs> if you put that in the script, that's what they're going to make. I like it. Sorry. <laughs> the uh the song the camp counselors play after the first murder is michael row Row your boat ashore it's the same song i know i was like i had to sing it again to actually remember how it went the trauma of church camp (laughs) right (laughs) that will never be undone (laughs) but this is a little nod because it's the same song that the counselors are playing in the pre-credit sequence of friday the 13th and they are also wearing similar yellow shirts so i was like anyway (laughs) uh billy murphy's origin story which is a prank pulled by kids at the summer camp becoming an urban legend. His pose on the poster for Camp Bloodbath 2, Cruel Summer, as well as his being set on fire are all references to The Burning, which was a movie I was going to talk about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I canceled that anyway. Just like we canceled its creator, as we should have. Yeah, a long time ago. What a creep. But... I thought that was interesting. Like I said, this movie has a lot of references to, um, you know, other 80 horrors, uh, 80 horror movies. Sorry. Uh, Nancy and Tina, who are the two lead girls, that's uh, uh, Malin Ackerman and Tasia Farmiga. Mm-hmm. They, they were named after Nancy Thompson, Heather Langenkamp, and Christina Tina Gray from A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, I like it. Yeah. So like I said, there's a lot of like little nods to all the uh, 80s slasher greats. And I don't know. I just had a really good time kind of laughing because, you know, there's always those, um, you know, tripping in the woods. And I don't know. It's just a lot of the fun stuff. But I I say if you can find it and hopefully it's streaming free somewhere. I just don't know where. Like I said, I've only seen it for rent. Um, And it was on HBO Max for a little bit. But check it out. It's a good time. I will watch it. Thank you for the tip. (laughs) The last one that I picked had to do it. Oh, yeah. It's a cabin classic. The original Evil Dead from 1981. Woohoo! I had a feeling you were going to do this. Oh, I had to. Yeah. It's so bad. It's so good. <laughs> I was like, I saw it. I'm like, I'm not going to touch this. Don't do it, girl. It's not <laughs> worth it. Because I know Sarah's going to do it. Oh, my God. It's. <laughs> I, I love this movie surely because of how like campy it is. Oh, so It bad. is quintessential <laughs> Sam Raimi camp. Um, and. And the thing that I love the most about Sam Raimi is watching the progression of the camp. So starting with Evil Dead in 1981 up to things like Drag Me to Hell, which is equal parts scary and campy, but just with more production value. And then you get into things like Doctor Strange Madness of the Multiverse in which, you know, he threw in zombies and ghosts and skeletons and stuff. I'm like, yes, this is so Sam <laughs> yeah. Raimi. I love it. So great. I went with Blue and you you know what she said oh, yes. when we got to that end point. She's just looking at me like, girl, girl, what did you bring me to see? WPS. WPS. I was sitting here losing my mind so excited and she's just side eye reminds me of when we made her watch the Duke. 
Oh, she was big mad. <laughs> she was big mad when we made her watch the Bob and work. <laughs> Bubba clack clack. Um, so as mentioned, Evil Dead is a camp classic horror film from writer and director Sam Raimi. It is filmed so poorly. It's so, bad. <laughs> it's so good. Like it's it's the quintessential. It's so bad. It's so good. The demons are so campy. Like the 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 immense amount of rouge that's used <laughs> it's just it's it's amazing um and it's in my book it's less horror and more horror comedy because it's yeah. it's not scary no not at all but it's just just so damn funny um so if you have been living under a rock for the last 41 years, very brief synopsis. It's not directly summer camp related, but it follows six University of Michigan students as they visit a cabin for the summer. They are digging around and they find the Mortuum de Montu, also known as the Book of the Dead. And one by one, the campers are all attacked and possessed and chaos ensues. So there are so many gratuitous death scenes, <laughs> wacky camera angles, and possession scenes that go on for like nine minutes. There's the the one scene when I think it's Ash's girlfriend who looks like a doll that's just horribly painted and she's sitting there giggling and laughing and stuff for like nine minutes. It's so bad. And I'm just like, are you going to kill her now? She's still... Can you can we move on? But it's it's great. <laughs> so these are just some of the many reasons we love this film. If again, if you've been living under a rock for the last forty one years, please go see it. Um, you can rent it on Tubi, and I think you can watch it on Roku with ads. Yep, I did look that up. So, just a couple of fun facts about the movie: the cabin that's used as the film set was also the lodging for the 13 crew members with several people sleeping in the same room. So again, it's, it's so bad for a reason. It's incredibly low budget. <laughs> the living conditions were terrible. The crew frequently argued and the cabin didn't have plumbing. Oh so the, no. So the actors went for days without showering and also got sick in the freezing weather. Do not sign me up in that cabin. No. Um, <laughs> by the end of the production, they were burning furniture to stay warm. Oh my God. <laughs> mm-hmm. What the hell? <laughs> yep. So, at the principal shooting at the cabin in Tennessee, so even though it takes place in Michigan, the cabin is was, I should say was, physically in Tennessee. The crew put together a time capsule package and buried it inside the fireplace of the cabin as a memento of the production to whomever found it, which I thought was cute. Oh. Um, so, the cabin was actually destroyed since the movie was shot, but only the fireplace is still intact. Interesting. Isn't that... Um, the original script also called for all the characters to be smoking marijuana when they're first listening to the tape of the people that were there before them, the guy and his wife, and he's documenting everything that's happening. <laughs> so they were supposed to be smoking pot while they were listening to the tape. The actors decided to try it for real. Oh, God. <laughs> and the entire scene had to be later reshot due to their uncontrollable behavior. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, so Bruce Campbell actually like what a good soul he put up his family's property in northern Michigan as collateral so that Sam Raimi could not only finish the film but also blow it up to 35 millimeter which was required for theatrical release 
And Sam Raimi was so grateful for the contribution that he credited him as co-producer. Ooh, Northern Michigan. (laughs) What? what? It's cold. (laughs) Um, So the blood that's used is a combination of caro syrup, which if any of you are familiar, it's K-A-R-O. You use it a lot when you're making things like pecan pie. It's the thickest ass corn syrup on the planet. Um, It's so incredibly viscous. So it's made out of caro syrup, non-dairy creamer and red and red food coloring i wonder what that smelled like so at one point shit exactly shit (laughs) shit (laughs) at one point bruce campbell's shirt was uh that he wears in the film was so saturated with the fake blood that after drying it by the fire the shirt became solidified and broke when he tried to put it on that's so gross (laughs) just imagine that was on his body i know all that non-dairy creamer (laughs) like you had me when you until um so i mentioned that it was ridiculously cold and they had to burn furniture to stay warm so the temperatures were also so cold at the time that they were shooting that the camera and the other wiring froze they had to be thawed by the fireplace inside the cabin oh my what is going on with this production it's cold in michigan i know but like they know that it's freaking cold <laughs> like you need to be prepared or, or no not not michigan i'm sorry it's cold oh. in tennessee in tennessee yeah because i shot it in tennessee still cold still very cold yeah <laughs> all, all of it like to me everything east of california and north of florida yeah. is cold <laughs> sorry which i wouldn't mind right now i know that's not true i just write frozen all across the country oh, that's pretty accurate <laughs> um and lastly because of the low budget the contact lenses uh that were used were uh thick as glass and had to be strategically applied to the actor's eyes to achieve the demonic eyes look the lenses themselves took 10 minutes just to apply no and could only be left on for about 15 minutes because your eyes could not quote unquote breathe with them applied oh my god yeah and bruce campbell later commented that to get the effect of these lenses they had to put tupperware over their eyes (laughs) this this whole production sounds terrible it really does but what a great movie yeah but i would have been real pissed if i was an actor i'd been big mad oh geez i'd have left nor would i have i'm like you know what i'm not getting paid enough for this nope deuces (laughs) nope.com oh man Uh, this was fun this was fun so uh, apologies we're two months late but those were our favorite summertime horror movies involving cabins in the wilderness yes and there's so many more yes stay out of the wilderness yeah this is why i have a shirt that says indoorsy absolutely i don't need to be outside nope ain't nobody got time for that it's fine indeed i got enough of of a tan so (laughs) i don't but i don't care yeah right (laughs) <laughs> uh, that does it for the show folks thanks for listening don't forget to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe so that you can find out when we decide to release new ones because we're so inconsistent we're yes. sorry <laughs> yes and if again if you have any ideas please reach out to us we have a little uh contact form <laughs> contact form that's what it's called <laughs> contact form on our website squadghouls.com also reach out to us on our instagram facebook everywhere mm-hmm. talk to us yep we like to chat we do we're chatty bitches yeah all right thanks everyone creep it real we'll scare you later goodbye Bye.